please open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. May God turn us back to Himself. May He call us back to serving Him. May He, in His grace and mercy, stir us to be a people that belong to Him again. Joshua 24, verse 14. Now therefore, fear the Lord. And serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And God bless the reading of his word. Uh, The worship of God today is at a low ebb in the United States of America. The worship of the living God, the Lord God Almighty, is not what it once was in our country. There's many evidences of this, many things we could look at to describe it. The children of our nation are far from the Lord these days. Statistically speaking, as you look around our nation, whatever demographic, whatever uh, region of the country, you'll find that uh, very few children have come to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Very few, very few of our young people know him as their God, serve him, love him. And, and one of the, the things that we're seeing here in Alamosa, in the San Luis Valley, is uh, year by year, the number of students that come to Adams State College, just as one indicator. Uh, it used to be, when I first started uh, in the San Luis Valley here, serving as pastor here, Every year we could count on dozens of college students coming to Alamosa who would come looking for a church. Every every season we'd see a harvest of people coming, of of young adults, college students that would come and show up and we'd have big college groups. No more. The number of students that actually come to our campuses, Trinidad State College and Adams State University, that are believers, minuscule, and those who come... They're not looking for a church anymore. Very few. We, uh, we look around um, at the churches in our valley and how small they're becoming, how few are participating. Uh, we, we could go on. We could go on and on and on and, and delineate all the, all the evidences that uh, the worship of the Lord is not what it is, what it once was today. The generations are not seeking His face. The believers are not following the Lord today. Uh, we, 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 it's not that they're, they're turning to Buddha. They're not becoming Shintoists. They're not becoming Taoists. They're not becoming Judaizers, Judaizers, as it were, in the negative term. They're not becoming 
religious people and, and other gods are not following Allah. They're not becoming Hindus. They're, they're not becoming polytheists. They're, they're not going to these other places. The, the culture, the, the people that called themselves Christians for many, many years, they're, they're calling themselves none. They, they've, they've left the faith. They've de departed, and they, they don't want to be associated with any religion anymore. Uh, those people that, uh, of course, probably many of them weren't believers in the first place. Now they have the freedom to say, I'm just not a believer anymore. I'm not a Christian anymore. And that's probably good in many ways because they're being honest and transparent where they are. They don't have to fake it anymore or pretend. But then there's the Christians. I don't know, us pastors keep awake at night with anxiety over these issues when they look at the Christians. And it's not like the Christians um, are, are leaving God per se, but we pastors, we look around and, and we talk amongst it with, ourself, with other pastors and our little blogs or our little, our little Facebook you know, communications, and man, it seems like the God of busyness has taken over the Christian world today. Uh, it's not that they've left Jesus, but they've poured themselves into projects and activities and extra jobs and entertainment and, and sports and, and all the things are adding up to where if someone looked at their life and they, if they, if they examined, examined who their God was or what their God was, it'd be very hard for Christians to be called worshipers of Jesus Christ today in many cases. Because the God of busyness has taken over. Other things have taken value. If, if your priorities are such that you value these things, and, and many Christians are saying, I value Jesus. I value the Lord, but they, in their practices they're saying, I value these things more. And when things are lifted up over Jesus, who is your God? So maybe this scripture is a timely word to you today. A time of decision. A time of choice is maybe the God of busyness has won you over. In the spiritual battle, in the war, where the enemy of our souls is constantly calling us through social media and through the consumerism of our country and, and all the advertisements to make it about you, maybe he's winning, and maybe you have drifted to the point where maybe today you need to hear the word of God where it says to you, serve him, serve the Lord. Joshua was at the end of his life. He'd been a faithful servant of Yahweh. For many, many years, he died 110, it says at the end of this book. You know his story, how he came out of Egypt, how he served Moses as an assistant, as it were. And then after Moses couldn't enter the promised land, Joshua took over. Joshua led the nation into the promised land. The book of Joshua is the story of conquest. The first part of the book is chapter after chapter of Israel defeating those kings and those armies, uh, fulfilling the word of the Lord to Abram long ago. God told Abram, 
hundreds and hundreds of years before, when the sin of the Amorites, when the sin of the peoples of the land of Canaan get to a certain point, I'm going to judge them. And God used Israel as that hammer, as that, that instrument of judgment. Joshua has been faithful to lead through all these changes and all these difficulties, and now he's at the end of his life. He's been faithful to the Lord for decades upon decades, serving the Lord and calling the people to walk with their God. And now he's departing, going the way of the earth, as he says. And there's no national leader going to replace him because now all the tribes, all the clans have their inheritance. If you read through the second part of the book of Joshua, you see as Joshua disperses all the people, you, that's your land, that's your area, that's what God has given you, and, and, and they're to take it. And now the tribes are supposed to lead themselves under the Lord. It's a dangerous moment. It's, it's a time, it's a wonderful moment in many ways because they've been in the land now some 25 years. The promised land. The dream, the vision that God gave Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the patriarchs, the promise that the people held on through through hundreds of years, that they had a promised land, now it's theirs. A summary statement, if you just look above at, at uh, verse 13, chapter 24, verse 13, God said this to them, I gave you a land on which you had not labored, cities that you had not built, and you dwelt in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive or orchards that you did not plant. In other words, he brought them into the land of milk and honey, and now they have the milk and honey. They have everything they need. They lack nothing. God promised if they kept the covenant, he would prosper them. Not for their sake necessarily, but for his glory. The world would see a faithful people walking with the God of all, and they would see the blessings. They'd see how life was meant to be lived, and, and it, they would be a witness to the world and how they have it. I, 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 I'm stunned sometimes of how prosperous we are in this country, even in, in down times, even when prices get high and inflation's soaring and all the, the challenges we have compared to other countries in the world. We are so incredibly blessed. We're rich. I mean, I don't make a whole lot of money, but I'm richer than 90-some 90, 90 percent of the world. You can ask me what my salary is. You might be shocked at that. We're blessed. We're prosperous. We got so much. God has blessed this country. Can't deny it. The Israelites have come into the land. They have everything they want. And yet, it's a moment of danger. Because now maybe they won't need the Lord in their minds. Now maybe they won't serve the Lord in their minds. Maybe they've paid, uh, you know, they, they've got their bank accounts full. Maybe the mortgage is paid off. Maybe, maybe everything that they have is taken care of. And they might sit back and say, why do we need the Lord anymore? Why should we worship Him? Let's make our own gods. Let's make our own idols. Or, or let's go way back beyond the Euphrates River where Abram was called and Terah, his, his family was called when, when God called from beyond the river. They had their gods. Maybe we'll serve those gods or, or maybe the gods that our fathers served in Egypt. 
the idols that they worshipped. Maybe we'll pull them up and resurrect them. Or maybe the gods of the Amorites and the land we're living. Joshua knows it's a time fraught with temptation to drift away from the Lord, to leave the Lord their God. Our times are different than his times, of course. It seems like our country is on the verge of a great evil, a growing evil, a growing distance from, from prosperity. It's hard to articulate all the things that could go wrong. But if we are coming into the last days, and we've been in the last days since Jesus rose from the dead, but if we're coming towards that end, it certainly seems that there are so many things that could transpire that are so terrible and, and wicked and evil, and we could be part of that scenario. We are in a time of danger. We are in a time where maybe the enemy has us thinking that we don't need the Lord anymore. We can do it all ourselves. I mean, look at our health care. Look at our, our politics. Certainly we don't need God now, do we? We've got it together. We've got a great country. We've got great leadership. We've got everything we need. Or we could talk ourselves into that. And so Joshua comes to them at the end of his life, the end of his days. He says, now therefore, and the therefore is therefore, because in chapter 24 before that, he told them all that God had done for them. He recounted the God's words to them about how he saved them and how he bought them and how he delivered them and how he drove out their enemies and how he took care of all their needs. In other words, Joshua has already talked about the sovereignty of God in their life, the incredible God that they had and his, his love for them. And he says, now, therefore, in view of that, I call you to fear the Lord. I call you to worship the Lord in sincerity and in truth. Uh, it's time for you to, in this temptation and time, times of these thinking, to put away the gods of the people around you. So don't, don't even go there. Don't, don't even participate in that. But, he says in verse 15, if it's too hard in your sight to do that, if it's wrong in your sight to serve the Lord, if it's, if it's evil in your sight to walk with God, then go ahead, choose from the gods. There's a multitude. See where that brings you. See where that takes you. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so he's calling them to make a decision. He's calling them to make a stand. He's calling them to draw a line, uh, much like Elijah in 1 Kings. Uh, choose whom this day you're going to serve, whether it be Baal or whether it's God. Whom are you going to serve? Whom are you going to per participate in your life? Who are you going to go with? Who are you going to live for? Who are you going to glorify? Who is your God? Make up your mind. Because if you continue to drift as you are, if you continue to just go with the flow, uh, I can probably predict what's going to happen. And you can find out what happens by reading the book of Judges. 
by reading First and Second Samuel, by reading First and Second Kings. It's not mysterious what happens when people don't choose the Lord. Uh, what does it mean to serve the Lord? Uh, some of your translations, they will say there in, in verse 14, put away the gods that your father served beyond the river in Egypt, serve the Lord. Uh, it, the, in the ESV and some of the translations, serve, serve, serve is everywhere in chapter 24. Some of your translations say worship. Now, like in verse 14, now therefore fear the Lord and worship Him in sincerity and faithfulness. Uh, there's two big words here for uh, worship that we that comes across in many different contexts, fear the Lord, uh, have a deep reverence and respect for the Lord, and serve Him. Um, a, a third major term that we, we've studied in our worship service series is bow down or pay homage to. But here the big emphasis on serve the Lord. What does it mean to serve the Lord? Oh yeah, I serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we serve the Lord, but do you? What does it mean to serve the Lord? What does that look like? What does that entail? What, serve the Lord. Are you a servant to the Lord? Oh, yeah, brother, I'm a servant of the Lord. Are you? Uh, the, the, the evidence in, in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, is incredible, just what serving the Lord means, the, the testimony again and again. Uh, even if you just look at chapter 23, verse 6, turn back to chapter 23, verse 6, uh, an idea of what serving the Lord means. And this is part of an earlier speech that he gave to people, uh, calling them to walk with God. Therefore, be very strong to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, turning aside from it neither to the right hand nor the left, that you may not mix with those nations remaining among you or make mention of the names of their gods or swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, hold to the Lord your God, just as you've done to this day. Now, that's, that's a great moment there. Uh, this generation that he's talking to, it seems like up to this point, even though there's gods in their midst, that they could worship man-made gods, idols, it seems that they've been faithful up to this point. But Joshua here repeats the words that Yahweh spoke to him in chapter 1, that the Lord spoke to him in chapter 1 of Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Don't turn aside to that way or to those gods. Right? Uh, Keep the law of Moses. Keep the instructions that God has given you. Uh, this is repeated again and again. Serving the Lord means doing what God says. And it's not a legalistic thing. It's not like you're earning salvation. We can't earn our salvation. We can't, if we've been saved, we can't lose our salvation through our works. If we've been graced with salvation, if it's been given as a gift, if we haven't earned our salvation, it can't be taken away from us if we fail which we do again and again. But the point that Joshua is making is, and serve the Lord, it means to obey the Lord. Live with the Lord. Love the Lord. Respond to the Lord by your obedience. Uh, and I, I don't think I, I need to do this, but just so you'll, you'll get the tone of, of what these people heard all their life. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Uh, he's talking about the Torah, the instruction, the law. You shall not, uh, and these words I command you shall be on your heart. Verse 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand. And they shall be a frontlet 
as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorpost and the house and on your gates. The word of God is central to serving God, to know it and to follow it and to obey it. Uh, chapter 10, verse 12. Chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Uh, chapter 11, verse 1. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his rules, his commandments always, and, and on it goes. Uh, to serve God means to love God. To serve God means to keep Him as the highest priority in your life. To serve God means to make Him the highest value in your life. To serve God means to obey Him to the best of your ability by the indwelling power of the Spirit, seeking to please Him, serve Him, love Him. It's, it's not a mystery what it means. But you have to make the decision to go there. You have to make the decision to say, I am a servant of the Lord. I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am somebody that's going to stay with him and do what he says because he is the Lord. I owe him my allegiance. I owe him my life. I owe him everything because he is my Lord. Uh, we, uh, we, we uh, look at our day, and, and again, I think we maybe need to hear this, because again, let's, let's, let's look at our situation, let's look at our scenario. Since the pandemic, it's become very easy to not give God much of our attention, not give God much of our focus. We've fallen into new patterns and new habits of living for ourselves. Now, a lot of, there's a lot of things that aren't bad. There's a lot of good things in this world. Again, we are in the land of prosperity. We've got so many opportunities, so many things that are good. But are they God? Uh, and, and so what, what we sometimes say is like, cast down your idols, get rid of those gods. And we're like, I don't really have a lot of statues in my house. I don't, I don't carry a statue in my pocket. Here's my little God. Most of us don't anyways. And so we're confused. Like, I don't think I'm worshiping other gods. I don't think I'm worshiping idols. But again, if you step back and you say, what are the values that I hold to? What are the, what are the most important things in my life? And you can know what those values are, what the most important things in your life are by following your money the things you spend on, following your time, following the things that you pour your energy into. And you start adding those up, and you start, you, if you're realistic about it, if you, if you take a, a clear look at your life, you might begin to think, oh, maybe I do have other gods. It could be sports. It could be home improvement projects. It could be fishing. It could be a whole number of things where week by week and month by month, my energy and my time are being poured into those values, into those priorities. And you might tell yourself, we might, might be tempted to tell ourselves, well, I, I, Jesus is my God. Trust me, Jesus is my Lord. But does Jesus look at your life 
You could even make your family an idol. Lifting your family is more valuable than the Lord. If Jesus looked at your life today, looked at my life today, and he did the math, how much time is he getting? How much of my treasure is he getting? How much of my energy is he getting? How much of my love is he getting? How much of my attention is he getting? And the shocking thing is, if we looked at our life, we might come to the conclusion that Jesus isn't our God in practical terms. We have aspirational values that he is the Lord, but in practice, would he say that we're worshiping him today? Would he say that he's on the throne of our life? Would he say that he's the most important, that, we're, that he's the most important thing in our life? Oh, Lord, give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us cast down our idols. Let us love you more. So Joshua comes to these people and, and, you know, man, they got homes they didn't build. They have olive orchards and, and vineyards that they didn't plant. Man, prosperity all around, everything they could ever want. The, the land is at peace almost. There's still pockets of peoples in the land that God has left there so the wild animals wouldn't go crazy. He's, 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 he's called them to take care of all those peoples as well, to drive them out. But they're, they're sitting back and they're saying, man, why should we work anymore? Why, why should we go with God anymore? We've got everything. And, and now we're so busy. Now we've got to take care of the olive, bush, olive trees. We've got to take care of the vineyards. We've got to take care of these new houses. Man, this granite, I, I could use some new granite on this countertop. And so maybe you guys, um, right now, there's a plethora of gods that our phones are telling us we need to worship. There, in our, in, our, in our, the advertising that we soak in every day, how many, how many gods are calling your name? How many gods are going to call your name? You need to be doing this. If you really want to be happy, you should invest in this. If you really want to have joy, you should pursue this God. If you really want to uh, uh, have a great life, you need to live for this God. And Jesus is saying, I want your worship. I deserve your worship. I'm your God. Uh, we we uh, don't have a whole lot of time to look at scriptures, but I, I think Jesus made it very clear of his, um, he, he wanted us to be faithful to him and him alone. He doesn't want any, uh, he don't, doesn't want to share you with other lovers. He doesn't want to share you with other gods. He doesn't want you to, um, you know, he's not in a polygamous relationship with you. He is a God who wants you and you alone to be his. And it comes out in different ways. If you look at Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, uh, verse 37. And this might be shocking to hear this from Jesus' voice, but again, he, he brooks no other gods. He doesn't let any other gods over him. If you want to be with him, he's your God. And so he says in verse 37, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Because he's God. And if we make idols out of our kids or idols out of our parents, that becomes twisted really fast. 
we receive family as a gift, if we receive our children as a gift, we have the appropriate relationship in place. We can serve them and love them as God intended, but they, those are his kids. Our, our parents belong to him. We're serving him. He's first. There's so many places like that that Jesus makes these stunning statements that are so, seem so countercultural to our civic religion and our, oh, I, I worship God, but not really kind of American Christianity. Chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus told his disciples, are you a disciple? Have you decided to be a disciple? Have you decided to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you, made, have you set that line in the sand as for me, I'm going to follow God as for, as for my kids and my family. We're going to place them in a position to follow God or not. Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. So un-American. Let him take up his cross. In other words, let him give his life away. Let him follow me. Whoever would save his life or protect his life or live for self is going to lose it. Whoever loses his life, gives his life away, turns his life over to me, surrenders to me, makes me his God or her God, they will find life. And there's, again, a multitude of different scriptures we could go to describe that more. But Jesus wants our love. He wants us to live for him. He wants us to love him more than anything. He, he told us again and again, the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength. And, and so it comes out in different ways. It comes out in, in abiding in Christ. It comes out in living for Jesus. And, and he said in, in John 14, 15, he, he gave a very good test, um, a, a standard, as it were. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Now, again, not in a legalistic way, not in an earning, earning a salvation way, because we only, earn salva we only get salvation through trusting in Jesus alone. We're only saved by grace alone, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. But really, uh, the proof of worship is, do we love him? And, and how do we know we're serving him? We're obeying him. We're walking with him. We're doing what he says, because he's worthy. And, and uh, boy, you start running down those paths, it, it's pretty wild. But look, look at what uh, the, the people in Joshua's day said in response to his challenge, his call, his, his urging. Look at uh, Joshua chapter 24, verse 16. I'm sorry, Sandra, I didn't give you that scripture, but uh, Joshua 24, verse 16. Uh, then the people answered. Now, it's a little bit shocking, right, uh, in, in some senses, he, he's, he's throwing down the gauntlet. He's, he's saying, hey, make up your minds today. And they're, they're like, we, we serve God. What are, you, what are you talking about? And he goes, yeah, but what about your idols? Are you going to turn to idols? And, and they're like, oh. He says, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What about you? And, and they're like, okay. People answered. Now, notice, listen to this and, and pay attention to the reasoning they give why they follow Yahweh. Why they follow the Lord. And the people answered, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Now, now in, that, in, your, in your mind there, um, are you forsaking God for fishing? Are you forsaking God for home projects? Are you forsaking God for camping? 
Are you forsaking God for skiing? Are you forsaking God for all the many gods in our culture that are calling your name? The, the people are answering Joshua and they're saying, far be it from us that we for, should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it was the Lord our God who brought us and our forefathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did those great signs in our sights and preserved for us all the way we went among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites, you know, the sons of Anak, the, the giants in the land. He drove out those people. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Do you see what they did there? Do you see how they were processing things there? Do you see why they said we're going to worship the Lord? It must have warmed Joshua's heart. We don't have time to look at his response, but it warmed his heart to hear God saved us. God blessed us. God drove out our, all our enemies. He took care of everything we needed. Far be it from us to drift into serving other gods. Far be it from us to leave this God who has taken such abundant care for us. Not only what he's done, but who he is. Remember our definition of worship? Worship is responding to God. It's that thing we do, responding to God for who he is and what he's done. And here the people are saying, man, we look back and we recall. We remember. We remember what he did for us. We're not leaving him. We're walking with him. We're choosing him. At the end of the book, in verse 31, it says, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua and had known all the work that the Lord did for Israel. So they did. It's an amazing moment, amazing season, where they said, we're going to serve the Lord, and they did. What about you? Are you a servant of the Lord? Are you a worshiper of Jesus Christ? Are you a follower of the King or not? If you need some help in deciding, step back and do what the Israelites did. Far be it from me to not worship, and I'm going to use my words, the creator of the heaven and the earth, the heavens and the earth he made. Will I not worship the eternal one, the one who spoke the universe into existence? Will I substitute these gods for him? Far be it from me. Will I forsake the God who gave me life and gave me breath and gave me everything else? Remember in Acts 17, would I forsake that God for these gods, these temporary gods that are going to burn? Far be it from me. Think about what God has done and who he is. If you're wondering, should you serve Yahweh, should you serve the Lord or not? Far be it from me to say no to this God, to serve something else or someone else, to make something else my object of worship and my priority, when I think about Jesus coming from heaven to earth, taking on a body, taking on flesh, condescending and going through such suffering and trial, to go to that cross for me. I was judged in my sin. I was condemned in my sin. 
I was heading for hell justly when Jesus came and he stepped into my place, took my sins upon him. He took the wrath of God in my place. He paid for every single sin that I'd ever committed, ever committing now, ever will commit upon his shoulders. By his stripes, I am healed. I am set free. I am rescued by him. Could I ever think about turning to another man-made God? Man, again, I told you that new Ford Bronco looks pretty awesome. But it's not. Would I forsake that great God, Jesus Christ, who died, was buried, and he rose from the dead? who reigns forevermore right now, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Would I trade anything for him and his worship? Far be it from me. He's given me an inheritance. He's given me life. He's given me a future. His promises are true. They're always yes and amen. Can I, in conscience, turn away and start living for these other things? <clears throat> Absolutely not. As for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. Please stand in the Lord's presence. Lord God Almighty, we do ask for forgiveness if we've drifted, if we've turned back from you, if we've started putting other things in your place. Forgive us, Lord. But Lord, give us that hunger for you again. Give us that drive for you again. Give us that heart for you again. Let us see you clearly again. Unstop our ears. Open our eyes. Break our hearts. Open our, 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 our hunger for you, Lord. Let us serve you because you are worthy. Please, Lord... Please don't let any person in this room, Lord, turn to other gods. Convince them. Move in their life. Call them to open the scriptures again. Call them to turn to you again because we know that's where life is found in you. Please, Lord, let people come to you and be saved. Let them find you, Lord. Let them call in your name. Let them repent and believe in you and find life. Lord God, make us worshipers. Renew us, your church again. We give you our life again. Let us come to that firm decision that you are God and we will never leave you or forsake you. Lord, send us into the world as yours. Be glorified today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless everybody. Go in peace. Go in your name of your God and serve him always. Amen.